which is getting creepier and creepier. This is Sad Times. My name's Kevin, and I'm going to stop the radio voice now. I think i got to retire that. Wade, let's do some market research on that if I need to be doing that voice anymore. Because uh, at first I did it because I thought it would make my parents proud of me, but I, I don't think that's working. Uh, anyway, wow, Jesus. Anybody still there? All right, this is Sad Times. I am your host, Kevin. Thank you for being here. For those of you who have never listened to Sad Times, here's a quick primer. Uh, we have a kind and generous guest who comes on every week and talks about times they were upset, angry, uh, frustrated, chronic things that they've dealt with throughout their life, just stuff that has been very tough and the way that they have reacted to it. Uh, We do this not to diagnose it, not to judge it, uh, not to fix it. It's just to allow people to tell that story so that you at home or in the boardroom or in the podcast studio uh, are able to say, hey, I thought I was the only one who thought that. And then maybe you will be moved to tell one of your little stories to either your friend, family, little stories, Jesus Christ, one of one of, uh, one of of your uh, trying times in your life or doing business as little stories. We got to copyright that, Brent. Get that get that down. Um, a- anyway, that you'll, you'll be feel more, uh, like you want to open up about it. That was some of the worst intro ever, but we're keeping it. And, uh, before we get to our wonderful guest, we do have one sponsor this week. Uh, this is a little bit different, uh, for sad times. Uh, but, um, they reached out and I said, well, I, I do support rock and roll music. So, all right. The sponsor is the Mike Huckabee school of pious rock and roll bass playing. In your most private moments, do you wish you could rock and or roll? Don't worry. At Mike Huckabee's School of Pious Rock and Roll Bass Playing, we hate the sin and love the sinner. Come and join us for such classes as Playing the Low End of Lee Greenwood or Maybe All of Rock and Roll is Encompassed by the Extremely Moral Ted Nugent. That's Mike Huckabee's School of Pious Bass Playing, where you can slay pussy the way Jesus approves of. Lay pipe for the Lord with a groovy bass line. Jesus. Literally. Okay. All right. Well, hey, I, I hope that's a repeating sponsor because those sounds like some cool classes and Wade is headbanging. All right. Good. Good. Uh, as always, please support our sponsors. That's uh, by using the code F-A-K-E. That's F-A-K-E. Uh, that pays the bills around here. So without further ado... Let's bring on this week's guest, uh, who I've known for 25, 30 years about. His name is Nathan. Hey, Nathan. How you doing, man? Hey, what's up? What's new, buddy? Oh, nothing much. Just Did- moved back to Illinois. Hey, places. you're telling me the S is not silent? It's not. Silent. <laughs> I mean, you can yeah. if you want. It's kind of fun. Uh, yeah, it, it is. Uh, now, we are from the same hometown. Yep. And uh, what? how old were you when you moved to that town? Uh, I was... Eight. Yeah, 1989, I moved there. Oh, really? Yep. Do you have a record called 1989? Um, I don't no? think so. It starts with Welcome to New York. No no, no Taylor Swift? No? no? Okay. No, no, no. Okay. Who's that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't hate her. I like Taylor Swift. Uh, same, I'm, yeah. I'm different. I like that record a lot, actually. Uh, okay, well, this has been the Taylor Swift portion of the show. <laughs> I know one friend of mine who would be very excited that we mentioned Taylor Swift. So you've lived there since 89. I guess I didn't know that because I don't remember. We were talking before we went on air here. We didn't really, really start hanging out until after we were both out of high school. Yeah, I think a few times we'd hung out in maybe grade school early on, but it wasn't often. Yeah, yeah. yeah so. And we, we did, the two of us and then uh, former guest uh, uh, JT Brown yeah. had the what was considered, I think, like the best high school job in town at the time. Uh, we worked at the video store. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, Movie nuts working in a video store and yeah. recommending movies to people that could care less about what we were talking about. So, yeah, yeah, they're like, they're like, it's called The Producers by Mel Brooks. <laughs> I said, you watch, there'll be a musical. I didn't say that. Uh, but we worked there together a lot. And then we really bonded right after high school uh, over the game Monopoly. Mm, indeed. Yeah. And uh, I have to do this, Nathan, and I'm sorry. Uh, as of this recording, last Thursday, Nathan was very kind. He came over to my new apartment. He's like, yeah, man, I'll come over, see your place. We'll play Monopoly. I beat him twice in an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> but th- to be clear, it could have gone either way. But Nathan, when you and I play, there's no fucking around. It's We know where we're going. We know what the rents are. Or well, you and, do. I, oh, I don't. I have to okay. look at the cards still. But you have them all memorized, which is great. Yeah. Well, handy. I'm lonely. Oh, okay. So, uh, well, you've been playing it for, what, 
40 years almost They're now. So, yeah. And I started with the French version, oh, which is a little bit ruder. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Huh. Uh, uh, but we, that summer after freshman year of college, and it would have been your sophomore year because you're a year older yeah. than me, yeah. we spent many a nights playing Monopoly for hours. Yeah, it, it was often. Yeah, and it was fun, and we would laugh. Kind of split between laugh. that and poker. We, we played, played a lot kind of, of poker. Back, back and forth. Yeah. So much so that your nickname, uh, <laughs> we there's a poker game that Bill, another former guest, uh, uh, who of course Brenton knows and I know, uh, taught me called 357. And Brent is really nodding his head. Wade has gone to sleep. And 357, Nathan played it. When it would it would be dealer's choice when we would play, and you would always choose three five seven. That's great. And so we started calling you Na Tha N, <laughs> and that's how you are on my phone. N space Tha space N <laughs> or N A space. Sorry, not al- applicable. Yeah. Yeah. So we a lot of that, and you're still really into board games now, oh, like yeah. even way more so, right? Yeah, I would say more so. Um, from that time, definitely more so. Uh, from Warhammer to like serious German board game style, like really in depth games. So, so what what draws you to that? Um, kind of the it's funny. It starts as a I love buying the game first and organizing it, taking all the cardboard pieces out of the s- slots and everything, and mm-hmm. organizing the game. I love printing like 3D printed like organizers for the game. I mean, That's down right. to the super detail level of that before I even get into the gameplay and stick my teeth into that part too. So, When did you realize that you were really into the detailed part of things like that? Um, Probably when I really heavily started collecting comic books when I got into college. That's when I really like... Started doing the completionist collection guy, like really, like I have to have all the covers of the alternate of the everything, mm-hmm. you know. So probably around that time is when I really would realize that I did that. I don't think I really did it in my youth at all, as far as like a completionist or anything. Okay, thinking what, like, what was the name of that comic book store on Green Street? On Green Street was this is in Champagne. The Dragon? No, no, what I don't remember. That? I don't. Re- Man, I don't remember. Yeah. That's been too long. By the way, just a just a show note. Brent uh, broke his neck nodding there to the <laughs> completest <laughs> of comic books thing. Yeah, it's boy, a bad, it's a bad yeah. thing. What what comics did you love growing up? Um, I always did Batman, Spider Man, and then the Death of Superman stuff hit, and mm-hmm. I I had it all, but I only liked like the Man of Steel stuff. I didn't really get into the other parts of it. Um. But then I had like Alf comic books and like Ren and Snippy. I only I only bought like certain ones. And a lot of times I'd go to the drugstore. This is back when like is it Raycraft or uh, Monticello Drug? No, this was even back when I lived in another oh, smaller town. Mm-hmm. You'd go into this old school drugstore and he'd have all the back issues that like the comic book company would pay you when you ripped off the top of the comic book and they would get refunds for not oh. selling those books. So then they'd sell them for like five cents. And that's where I, most of my collection at that time was just those. Like I had tons of those because I could buy them yeah. from, you know, having an allowance and stuff. It was cool. Quick update. Brent's physical therapy is going poorly because he's just nodding so hard <laughs> right now. It's insane. I was so poor. We had so many tore off the top. Got it. Yeah. I, if, if you couldn't hear, yeah, Brent, Brent said, yeah, that, that was the way it went with him too because yeah. of the cheap price. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I had tons of books. I didn't even know like... A lot of times I'd buy books just based on the art. I would just pick out stuff like, oh, this looks amazing. And I didn't even know what book it was because, you know, the title was ripped off of the front covers. So. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see from the inside. It's like when you buy a book, it says, if you bought this book without yeah. a cover, you're fucked. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I was literally not judging books by their cover. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let me ask you this. Um, I, I collected comics off and on. I'm really fascinated by... I, I'm. Personally, this is just me. I'm very tired of the movies. That's just me. Same. Um, but like, what draw? What do you think drew you to the stories in comic books? Was it the characters? Was it the um, superhero abilities? Little of more so the art design. Um, that's like Star Wars for me. I'm a big Star Wars nerd. Imagine that. Um, more character design than anything. The props and everything in Star Wars is what I'm more drawn to than the story or the acting or any of that stuff. Um, the look of things has always been kind of more of a, a big deal for me. Do you play any Star Wars board games? Um, I play one called X-Wing and one called Armada, which are like miniature ships that you control on the uh-huh. board. Yeah, yeah. Is that like a dice game or no? 
There's dice involved. Yep. Okay, yep. cool. All right. Hey, Wade, put that on my Christmas list, buddy. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> X-Wing's cool. Is it's it? Fun. Is yeah. it cool? Do you own it? I have. I yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I think where I'd like to start, too, with you is, is one of the things I always thought was really cool about you um, is kind of in this vein of completism. And you always, you would find something that you were interested in, and then you would get really into oh, it. Oh, yeah. Still to this day. Yeah. yeah. So where, where do you think that comes from? Um, a little bit from my parents. My mom is a quilter, and um, as you, is mine. If you saw her collection of fabrics and like supplies, tools, sewing machines, all that stuff, she gets it's it's to the nines every time. Like just head first, dive into whatever you're into. Um, and my dad as well. He collected uh, a lot of diecast cars and like NASCAR cars and and dragsters and farm equipment and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that came from that as well. Baseball cards was the big thing though. Uh, when baseball cards came about, my dad got into that with both me and my brother. And he the way he collected was a lot different than we did. We were just buying kind of packs and trying to complete like our favorite players or anything. He would get the entire sets every time. He would he would collect and put together entire sets. So like um, I used to do that with like my allowance money, which is right. probably why I'm a failure financially. But we would go to <laughs> Uh, Sam's and they would have those big boxes of like the complete sure, tops or sure. the complete oh, I, knew, I couldn't afford Fleer who are yeah. we kidding <laughs> so your dad would buy the big boxes of them or he would still piece them together if I remember right he would really? buy a case every once in a while and like kind of share the we would you know he would parse them out to me and my brother um, and that was awesome but I miss that that was a lot of fun it, it, it may have set me up for buying stuff later in life but I don't it's not a blame or fault or anything. It was, it was enjoyable times. I really look back on that as, as, and it's funny because all that stuff is worth like almost as much as it was back then. Right now. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I don't know who's buying cards now, but I think it, it, I think a lot of it might be generational, right? Same thing. Good. Uh, and the, like, um, dads our age have kids and they, they still do it. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you, uh, do you feel like, um, I think you had told me before that you feel like you had ADD or have ADD. Would you say that's a fair assessment? I yeah. So I was diagnosed with oh, okay. high functioning ADD. So hey, like, congratulations. Not a form of like, definitely not um, needing any kind of medication for. But it's definitely a struggle, and it's it's cool to like finally know that and then learn more about it and be like, oh, it all falls into place, right? It all is like, ah, okay, that makes a lot more sense why I think that way or why I do that or why I do. You know, How AB. old were you when you were diagnosed? Uh, this was in Ju uh, January of this year. Oh, so you're 28. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So uh, 42, 42. January of yeah. this year? Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. And then, yeah, it's probably interesting. So what were some of the things that you looked back on, not to put you on the spot, but mm. where you like look back and you're like, oh, that would be why One of those, XYZ. I love to read, but I have to read very slowly. It takes me months to get through a book because I just don't, you know, I have so many other hobbies too that get in the way, but... Uh, when I read, I have to read very slowly as well. Um, I have to pace myself and really like let those words saturate into my brain. Otherwise, while I'm reading, I just think about 90 other things. While I, I can read a paragraph and like I didn't pick up on anything that was right. in that paragraph, mm -hmm. right? That happens a lot to me. So I have to be really careful with reading. Um, what do you enjoy reading? Um, a lot of a lot of fiction. As of late, I've been reading a lot of Murakami, which we've talked about right. together before. Mm -hmm. 1Q84 was kind of a game changer for me as far as a, you know, a work of fiction that was really cool. And I think I, I think I learned about that from watching, uh, Adam Savage from Mythbusters has a YouTube channel and he talks about book reviews and stuff like that. Okay. So I, I picked it up on that. Uh, yeah. That, and, uh, it, that book is, I, I call it extremely readable. It's what, like 900 pages, yeah. but you're just, you just keep turning the pages. Yep. yep. I it's, really it's enjoyed wild. that it's, book. It's so original and just different from anything else you've I've read and or, or movies or anything. So, yeah, it's fun. You know, he has a book called Norwegian Wood, and that's, that's uh, next on my list, actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's the name of it. Brent. <laughs> pay attention to getting your neck better. Don't look at me like that. Norwegian Wood is the title of a Beatles song. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. This you bird do. has flown. You don't like the Beatles, do you? No, I love yeah. them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> did you... Were you ever um, with the ADD? How about this? I want to ask you this. Um, you know, 
reading and if you read slow did people give you shit about that oh it was a problem in high school uh Even, or throughout, so when, throughout all school really i mean okay book reports you you name it like i couldn't read up to the pace that, that these teachers were asking for for completing assignments and, and doing reports and everything so how would you deal with that um fake it yeah yeah i'd, mm. I'd pretend i read it and often get caught too and it still didn't, you know, it still didn't change how I thought about that. But Did uh, you try to ever explain, like, but I read at a different pace, or did you not even feel comfortable bringing that up? It didn't, I don't, I don't think I was able to explain it back then. I, I didn't know that that was how it was, or that I didn't have the awareness to explain it, I don't think, so, okay. yeah. Um, so do you think that with the ADD, is, is that one of the reasons you have so many hobbies? Because of the way that your brain is Probably. set up? Yeah. yeah. And it, it's funny because it works in cycles too. I'll, I'll go from flying RC planes to doing model building, and then I'll go back to flying RC planes and then do model building again. So it's a constant cycle. I'm, I'm, I'm always like shifting focus on what I'm doing at the time. Unfortunately, it also gets in the way of like, I'll leave things undone and then never come back to them too. That's a, that's a thing as well. So does that cause you anxiety? It does sometimes. That causes me great anxiety. Having, having money invested in something that's just sitting there is a big thing, especially when I moved recently. Mm -hmm. getting rid of these things I know I spent X amount of dollars on and I never even used them. And now I'm just getting rid of them for next to nothing is, yeah. I mean, that's, that's huge anxiety for that. So, but also it's, it's kind of a tool that I've been able to kind of shift focus on and realize that I do that. I can really, I can really stop myself from purchasing certain things and, and controlling those impulses to buy a new thing or get into a new hobby a little bit. So, Do you, do you feel like your purchasing impulse has gotten better as you've it gotten has, older? It has. Yeah. It's a very slow change, unfortunately, but it has it has gotten better. Uh, people might not <laughs> believe me on that or, you know, people that are close to me may not see that. But uh, I've done a lot, in my opinion, on curbing things and talking with a therapist. I've been able to um, – determine that and, and define that as being a success. You know? Okay. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we're going to talk about therapy in a moment. Yeah. I, I do want to <laughs> tell the little story about, we used to on those nights right after high school, uh, we would like go to Meyer and yeah. maybe look at their board games or whatever. And I've noticed something about myself in that without even thinking about it, when I'm really anxious or I'm really down or whatever, one of the first things I think of is I need to go shopping and Same. it's not, it's not go shopping for clothes or groceries or anything. It's just, I want to go look at, and for me, for it's anything. books. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, why is it's, it's very, I haven't really gotten to why that is, but that night we were at a Meyer, and for anybody who doesn't know what Meyer is, it's not how you think it's spelled. Uh, and it's like a target. Yeah. And we were at the Meyer, and what did we come across? I was, uh, Steven Spielberg did this like Lego movie studio. It was Spielberg thing. was, it was behind Spielberg it. Was oh, okay, in, yeah, it was like signature and everything. I just found the box the other night. That's why I, okay. I know that. Otherwise, I would have forgotten that. But yeah, it was this USB camera and like this little like movie studio with like a dinosaur and shit yeah. in it. And uh, yeah, we we had to buy it. And I think you and I went together and bought it that night. And, and then we, I remember, night. I can visualize us walking out of the mire, and I remember the exultant feeling like oh my god that's, this is the best that's the thing that's the chase that's, it. that's that's the feeling like i often talk about this with collectors the the hunt is often the high like leading up to getting that thing and getting that thing is the best feeling ever having the thing worthless almost sometimes going back to what you said like when you had to get rid of stuff when you moved do you ever look at stuff that you've bought and feel shame about having absolutely. bought it? Yeah, absolutely. Often, and like, often oh my I God. Say, yeah, yeah. Why? I have that. It's pretty focused on books. Yeah. I have a real, real book buying problem. Now, yeah. I heard about these things called libraries. <laughs> and I went there and they're like, you can take as many as you want. <laughs> it's and not it the does, same. you don't, I, but it's not the same. But at the same time, it does help it does. quell that. But man, I just want to look at books. I, I find that libraries often don't have the things that I want to read. Um, not always, but uh, I, I tend to not always go for novels either. There's a lot of, I, you know, I, I read comic books and graphic mm -hmm. novels a lot too. And maybe that's different now. I don't I don't go to libraries. I'm sure they do have graphic novels, but. Um, uh, up until save. recently, I lived within half mile walking distance of the main branch of the Chicago Public Library. And uh, that, that one of the most amazing. I still mm. believe as a society, the greatest thing we ever did as a society was create libraries. Yeah. Um, I understand fire and stuff, but like that's different. <laughs> I mean, as a society, the way that 
libraries the purpose to bring knowledge to all um to to allow people that uh but that on the seventh floor has a pretty big graphic novel section now okay yeah yeah i figured as much i you know maga and 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 it's it's a huge culture so how could it not be covered right Right. but yeah i mean so do you why do you think you feel shame when you look at these things that you bought? And is it because you feel, does it feel like a drug to you? Because the way you just described it sounded like a drug. In ways. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's just the, the feeling of, especially when you become, you know, the older you get, the more you feel like you should be doing something. You should be saving towards things. You should be making this, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. You should you should be going into this cookie cutter shape of like being a successful adult and and buying things like toys and stuff as an adult doesn't fit in that bill. I I still feel I I collect Hot Wheels still to this day. Me searching through Hot Wheels cars when there's a three year old standing next to me like Hey could <laughs> could you get out of the way so I can hey, get some man. of these I'm like yeah. No go away you know <laughs> um, I have to find the special ones and. Uh, so that that comes into play a lot, and that that definitely brings that feeling on. Like, do I really need to be buying any of this shit? And it's like, it gets silly too. And I've been through. You and I have talked about moving and how much of a bane of existence moving is. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's because we have all this stupid shit, and it, you you would think that would like come into play in the buying decisions, and it nope. it rarely does. It's it, so it, bizarre. It really doesn't. For me, at least with books, I just sold. 13 boxes worth and the way that i was able to do that was i was able to talk myself into it and be like kevin you're not looking at these books you haven't read most of these (laughs) and i just brought them to where i sold them and i unloaded them and then while they were looking through them i just made a very conscious effort not to look yeah because i was like oh man i you know those books had an emotional connection sure and it's it's I think you described it really well. Like it's the hunt for something and then it's the getting something. And then there's that feeling as you're walking out of Meyer with a fucking Lego studio, movie <laughs> studio. And you're like, what are you going to do the rest of your night? I'm going to make Lego movies. Yep. And you're like, yeah. Guess how many Lego movies we made with that Lego studio? Well, I know the answer, so I can't guess, but I'm going to guess, let's say 40. Zero. Oh, it was zero. Answer. That's right. Zero. So that that's a theme. I mean, that's that's something that happens with me a lot. Is I get so excited to the point where I buy the thing and get so invested in it. I do all the research. I figure out the best possible thing to get, and then I just don't use it. Sometimes, sometimes that's not the case. I, you know, when I started playing guitar, for example, my dad saw right. immediately like, you're not going to keep doing that. And I still to this day, I love. I love playing guitar. I love doing that. I I love the bands I've been in, all that kind of stuff. So, right. Yeah. It's it's. I don't know. It's hard. Do you ever feel? And then we'll get off this topic. I think. Uh, do you ever feel like when you start something new, a new hobby? Do you ever think? All right, this one will be different. I'm gonna sure. see this one to the end. I have yep. that problem too. I make that. I make that justification in my head. Like this will be different. I'll I'll totally do this, and I'm gonna like. Bicycles is the worst thing with me. I have a fucking bicycle tattoo on my yeah, fucking arm, and I don't yeah. ride bicycles nearly enough to like justify that. Uh-huh. I want to, but it's very painful for me to ride bicycles. So it's this whole thing. Like it's the only exercise I could really force myself to do because of the mechanical aspect uh-huh. of it. It's physically painful. Physically painful. Oh. The, the sitting and the and the saddles, and that goes with the the obsession of finding things too. Like oh, I, there's got to be a saddle out in the uh, world somewhere. So I've bought like hundreds of fucking saddles to try and fix it, and it's and none of them work. Uh, huh? I've tried everything, man. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Brent actually has a, a a tattoo of a Camaro on his arm. <laughs> oh, buddy, oh, that's the main maddest I've ever seen, Brent. <laughs> Ever. Like I'm a, just kidding. He like doesn't a, have that a third gen Camaro because that would be cool <laughs> if it was a third gen. I, I'm telling you guys. So Nathan and Brent had not met before today, but really, I should just leave, and this should be the friendship here. <laughs> I have two third gen Trans Ams, not <laughs> yeah. Camaro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Trans Am is the fancier version of the Camaro. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah I, right. All right. Uh, I know nothing about cars. I know that they go vroom. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, okay. So you said you were in therapy. Yeah. Um, is this something you've been doing for a long time? No. Um, we talked about, I, I did a small stint when I was younger, and I think it was maybe a month or something. It was super short. We I just didn't do it very long. Um, How old were you? Do you recall? Ten-ish, somewhere in there, okay. probably. Um, right around eighth grade. I don't I don't even know if that lines up <laughs> with the right age, but uh, somewhere around there. That'd be like 14, uh, 13 or 14. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. So Unless right around there, Hauser. I just started doing poorly in school. And my parents were concerned about that, so it was it was an answer to that. Yeah, um, and then never again. I I'm not the type of guy that's like have has a stigma about therapy because I have several friends that are therapists. Um, so I've never I've never thought it was worth not worthwhile or anything like that. But um, yeah, th- this last year of my life has been really. Just crumb everything's kind of crumbled apart at the same time. So it was it was time whether or not I thought I needed it. It was just kind of obvious that I should be sure. and, and should at least give it a shot. Um, so I started using uh, BetterHelp of all things. Yeah. Hey, uh, we're hoping one day that they yeah. sponsor us. And I think I think it gives the most accessible way of doing it. Both in like it was it was relatively cheap. I think two hundred and thirty dollars a month for four sessions. That is very so cheap. it's not bad. That and, is very yeah, cheap. Yeah, it's very reasonable. And especially, you can even get like a- That's fifty seven fifty a session, buddy. I, yeah. And I think. That's pretty hard to beat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that in a, alone, but the guy that I was matched to, because you fill out, you know, like a questionnaire, like as, as if you're going on a dating site and filling out that stuff. And so they pair you with a guy that, or, a, you know, man or woman that's going to help you with- the things that you need help with. And uh, it worked really well. I was really happy with it. So Yeah. And I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out, I, I think, I think it's wonderful. And was that the first person, let me ask you this. Was that the first person that you were matched with on there on it BetterHelp? Was. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I would say to people out there, um, uh, often people will get a therapist and it just doesn't work for whatever reason. Sure. It, that doesn't, in my opinion, that doesn't mean you should stop. It just might mean you need a different therapist. And I would say that, you know, not to sounds like I'm a shill for better help here, but that is the easiest thing to do. They have it set up so if you're not clicking, they you, they'll assign you a new person yeah. really quick. Which okay. is that's easy. I, I like that. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. And were you scared going into therapy? No. No. no? I have a, I have the ability. I mean, when you asked me to come on this, I, I I don't have any qualms about talking about this. And it's funny because we just talked about this. I I did when I was younger. I would have never done this like when I was younger. It's just, I think part of growing up and becoming and just kind of owning yourself, owning your your whole behavior and your who you are and everything. So it's hard. It's hard, but. I also have a YouTube channel and stuff, so I don't really worry about like putting my life out there like yeah. some people do, and and I totally get why people do it. I, I, it makes sense to me too. But. Sure. And so you started, you said around January of this yep. year of yep. 2023, and I did about six months solid, four times a month, so one, yeah. one week uh, we do a we do a video session, mm-hmm. and I think that's something to uh, clarify too. I think some people would benefit more from in person therapy than doing it online. I was doing you know, like a video conferencing. So it's, to me, that's, that's the same thing in, in my opinion. I know that's not for everyone, but. Uh, sure. If you're in the right situation where you can kind of hide in your room or whatever, and you can have a private moment and be on your computer and doing that, it's, it totally works, I think. So. Yeah. I might look into therapy. <laughs> I might try it. I mean, it's, I think, I think we as a, as the world needs to get over this stigma of like, it's stupid to talk to it there. That's bullshit. Like if you, especially if you don't have a support group with friends and family, you should be talking to somebody. I mean, it's so helpful to have that. It, it really makes a huge difference. 100, 100. Huge. I agree with you 1000%. Yeah. Uh, and the stigma, one of the reasons I started doing the show is to try to, sure. in a small way, take away the stigma of not only therapy, but uh, being diagnosed with uh, mental health stuff and taking medication. Absolutely. Um, and not even just if you don't have the means to talk to a therapist, find a friend, somebody you can confide in and talk to them. I mean, it's that is almost as good. They may not be able to help you in the same way that the therapist is probably not. But uh, having that above just like not talking to anyone is not the answer at all. Like, yeah, it's, it's I, I agree. Yeah. Uh, and but it, it I've also found I was joking, of course, I've been going to therapy for uh, 828 years, <laughs> but. The hardest therapy sessions, at least in my um, going through of therapy, are the ones that are the most beneficial, but man, do they suck. It's very difficult. It's work. Yeah, it is work. I think that's part of the stigma. People don't want to put in that work. People don't want to challenge themselves and challenge speaking and and offering their whole, you know, all their problems or the being honest with your therapist. I see a lot of people going to therapy. Oh, it didn't really work for me. Well, did you... Did you tell them everything? Did you did you say what you're going through? Did you say how that's making you feel 100% or no? Because 
you're only going to get out what you put in, I think, especially with, with therapy. So Yeah, I think that's fair. Get out what yeah. you put in, yeah. I think, is a, is a really good I, that's like why I never became a, a Lego movie maker. I put <laughs> right. nothing in. I put nothing in. Yeah. Never had success. Um, was it, uh, so you started that in 2023. Another big change over the last couple of years. Well, obviously, um, the global pandemic. What? Um, you didn't hear about that? No. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. Um, Is that the time when I just spent all the time in my house? Yeah, that's right. Oh, I do that all anyway. So, oh, yeah. okay. Um <laughs> In, was it 2020 where they legalized cannabis in uh, uh, Illinois? Yes, yes. So, so tell me. Right before the pandemic. Yes. I mean, it was crazy. Like a couple of week, couple months, rather. Right. Well, weeks, too. Right. Tell me, you had never done cannabis, right? Yeah, I wasn't. I never thought, like, I, I wouldn't say I was, like, straight edge or any cool thing like that. I can't, I can't say that I was cool enough to, like, be that way. I wasn't against it, but I wasn't. I was hung up on the, like, oh, I just don't want to get caught and, like, have to deal with consequences of it. And had I had I tried it before, I think I would have immediately realized just like January 1st of 2020 when I tried it, what the fuck? This is like getting drunk. It's the same fucking thing. It's it's just, just alcohol. Safer. It's just safer and there's so many fucking reasons why it's a better thing. I won't go into any of yeah. that, but um it just makes you realize what a fucking non big deal it is. It's the non issue whatsoever. And I wish I wish that stigma didn't exist either, but it does. So, do you um, ever think about uh, cannabis? Does it help you with your anxiety or depression? It absolutely does. Yeah. How so? Um, similar to ways of drinking, how the, how it calms you down and you you can just enjoy the buzz and kind of relax. I would say cannabis maybe even is better at that if you're using the right strain, if you're using the right type of cannabis. Mm-hmm. So many people I talk to. Oh, it doesn't help me. It makes me super paranoid, or oh, it just makes me lazy, or oh, it may- well, there's so many different kinds out there. It's a silly statement to like. I'm not saying you have to experiment to try everything out there, but there's so many strains and so many different types that you really need to kind of experiment with it a little bit to see if it can help you because it's it's going to be different for everyone. Every strain type is totally different. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and it it's something that I think, you know, when we were in college, let's say. It wasn't like there was any way to no do choice. that. There yeah. was no choice back then, and that and that just I, some some dude named uh, 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 <laughs> Philadelphia Freedom <laughs> and a big Elton John fan. And that was another reason why I wasn't into it. I I couldn't control like what I was getting, where I was getting it. I didn't know if it was safe, so it was a it was an anxiety thing for me. Like I don't want to use that because I don't know where the hell it came from, kind of thing. So having a lab tested product that I can buy in a store is a little bit different of a thing that that frees it up a little bit. I think. Does it, do you, when you found the, the strains or whatever that work for you, uh, do you find that, does it help with your ADD and focus or no? Not so much. Like I will say, so the downfalls that I have an experience with cannabis is the lazy thing is true. Mm-hmm. The munchies thing is true. Mm-hmm. And those are the two really hard things that I struggle with and it's a serious thing. It's a problem. So I, I do a lot to really limit how much I use. I don't use very much at all. I know people that need to use more, that, that need to use less than I do. Um, but for me, I find, you know, about 10 milligrams or I, I, I vaporize in, in devices a lot too. And uh, I, I measure out with a little scale how much I'm going to use. And, I, you know, I try to make it so it's, it's uh, measured out so I know how much I'm using, which is not something a lot of people do, but... So it's a medicine. If you treat it like a medicine, it's yeah. How is it not medicine? Right? It's true. Um, yeah, and so I imagine though the the timing. Uh, cannabis becomes uh, legal in Illinois a couple months later. Horrible global pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I imagine the pandemic for you would have been a lot different had that not coexisted, or would you say that's not a fair statement? Um, it's possible. It's possible. Uh, it definitely changed. Um, how I dealt with the pandemic because I, I fell into a group of back to our discussion of me jumping headfirst into everything I do. I found a group of cannabis enthusiasts online that we hung out every single day, most days and talked about devices and, and different ways of using different ways that affected you, what strain types you're getting. There's online retailers that are selling this stuff, 50 States legal now that you can buy anywhere. So we're, we're comparing the quality of the brands we're finding and, and getting that. So in a way that it just 
it was just another thing for me to jump into as well. So I spent a lot of time um, doing that with that. So it did change how I, you know, how I went through the pandemic for sure. Yeah. So are you more of a, like a Jerry Garcia guy or a Bob Weir guy? Oh, um, Probably Jerry, because he's a little more technical. But yeah. Bob's technical, too. And, well, apparently. From a music sense, anyway. Yeah, I uh, don't uh, know much about them. Uh, That's a band that I really have always wanted to get into, but I never can. By the way, for anybody who doesn't know, we're talking about the Grateful Dead. Yeah. Uh, I've always heard that Bob Weir is a very, quote-unquote, very technical um not even technical, uh, fantastic rhythm players. What I, and sure. he plays it differently than other people do somehow. Sure. Yeah. I still think the greatest rhythm guitarist of all time is Malcolm Young from uh, ACDC. Yeah. Because listen to ACDC sometime. Fun, for sure. It, ACDC works because Malcolm Young is hitting those chords the same way yes. all the time. And yeah, Angus is cool. Yep. I mean, Angus is a badass. ACDC rules. But Malcolm Young is back there just keeping it together, it's baby. Just, yeah, he's a metronome. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um with cannabis, do you, do you find that that changes the way you play guitar and things? It definitely opens up creative uh, probabilities. It it loosens my self deprecation. Like when I'm writing a song, or if I'm trying to come up with a new riff, or if I'm learning a new song to cover or anything like that, it definitely helps free you from beating yourself up for being self conscious about like, oh, I fucking suck. It kind of frees that. And and drawing, painting, all that too mm -hmm. is definitely that way as well. Do you have that voice a lot in your head? All all the time. Yeah. Constantly. There's a there's always a doubt. And I think that going back again to my mother's quilting, you can really see it in her quilts. This perfection, this uh the strive. I don't I don't think she beats herself up necessarily. I think it's just something she chooses to do. But everything is perfection, down to the little stitch. Everything is just right and just so. And I, I think I, that may come off as a negative thing, but I, I think there's something to that. If you you know if you're going to do something, do it well. Kind of mentality is uh, is a good thing, but it can also be a negative, and some people struggle with that for sure. Yeah, you know, my mom uh, since she retired got really into quilting. She loves yeah. it. She loves it, and she always says um, that she thinks I would love quilting. And I say, lose my number. And uh, no, I don't say that. Um, but what she loves about it is it's like a creative outlet, but it's like my understanding is very limited here. So yeah. please don't judge me, but it's like many small creative outlets to make the the, the sure. whole. Sure. And she's made me a couple uh, quilts that are, I mean, they mean a lot to me. I love them very much. One of them uh, is a Beatles quilt. Uh, yeah. Brent. <laughs> uh, the other one is, is a bookshelf. And at oh, the top, sweet. it just says read. Nice, nice. So mom knows what I'm into. Yeah. Uh, There's something but, about that. I mean, think yeah. of that like as a gift. I mean, come on. Nothing better. It's crazy. Yeah. I had a, so my mom made me a quilt for my high school graduation. And just recently it started falling apart and it kills me. It's like, damn oh, it. But she's no. making me a new quilt and it looks even cooler. So I'm, I'm super pumped about that. Yeah. So. All right. And it's another way that, yeah. you know, and my mom has done that uh, for the old man and Claire made them a quilt for their wedding and, yep. and stuff. It's and such a good gift. Yeah, like, it really is. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, and I've, I've had that too. Like one of the things I am into actually, and I almost did it. I, I was talking about making my own sewn goods brand, uh, pre pandemic. And I almost, I really, I really researched it a lot and I was going to do it. I just didn't end up pulling the trigger, but I was making, backpacks and stuff and I send them to people and they would just lose their minds because it's like yeah I made You're making this. them from scratch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was design everything I was doing up front. So wallets, I did I did a few wallets, I did some bags and backpacks. I made a bunch of storage bin container like things for my all crazy off-road truck that has like all this camping gear in it. So these custom made bags that fit perfectly into all my like cubbies and drawers in that vehicle and stuff. So, yeah. When you were doing stuff like that, stuff that, again, going back to something that is very detail oriented, did yeah. that quiet that voice in your sure, head? It does. You always have your second doubts and, and you're yeah. second guessing the design. Like I had, let's, for the, the wallet as an example, I had probably eight iterations of that before I felt like it was what I wanted it to be. So, okay. It's kind of cool. It's kind of a fun thing to go through and, and think about. But yeah, you're you're definitely right. And 
And cannabis caused that too. I was using cannabis while designing these things, while making these things. So it all kind of mm-hmm. works really syncopated. It's really cool. The voice, I call my the voice of my head Frank. <laughs> I don't have a name for mine, but yeah. man, he's a fucking asshole. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Frank is world-class number one piece of shit. And yeah. I imagine Frank would like, uh, 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 Larry or whatever you, if you ever do decide yours, they would probably get together. They probably have fucking conferences in Las Vegas (laughs) and talk about, Hey, I'm fucking this guy up bad. Did did we just write drop dead Fred too? Oh God. I hope so. (laughs) Drop dead Fred. What a great movie. Uh, Maybe. Uh, Okay. (laughs) You, and you said something earlier when we were talking about therapy about some people, unfortunately don't have a, a, a strong support group. And what we mean by support group, or I think what you meant, uh, it's like friends and family. Yeah, somebody that you can trust to talk about things with and not get judged for saying the thing. Somebody you feel comfortable with talking through these things. And not it's not anything to do with fixing these things. It's just literally sharing and talking about. I couldn't come on this show and talk about this painful shit unless I had done so so many times. Like, I, I talk to friends all the time. You and I, when we first got together a few weeks ago, um, after I moved back, it was that way. You know, it's... It's part of it. I think you need that. If you don't have that, man, it's important. Yeah, I think that's a good point you made. It's not like, I think with most things, uh, it's not going to all be there all at once. And unfortunately with our phones and, and, and the ability to pull up any information now that we could ever want, we expect it to be, but it, it, it is a process. And yeah. one of the things I struggle the most with, and I struggle with a lot of stuff is impatience. Sure. So I think it's, it's a good point to say that, you know, today, if you're looking to maybe be a little more open, et cetera, et cetera, you're not going to be all of a sudden, you know, talking about things that you, you God, I, I don't it's not know a light that. switch. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, do you want to take over the podcast? Yeah, Cause sure. <laughs> uh, I'm doing poorly. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's where a lot of people fail in therapy is thinking that it's going to be this instant change. Like, Oh, I'm going to a therapist now, so I'm going to be better. No, like it, it's a slow process. It's, it's a way of retraining your brain to think about things that you're struggling with. And that's all it's going to be. It's not going to be this like drug that you take that fixes an issue it's, it's mental not. health is managed it is not fixed yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I have a whole speech about that, that yeah. yeah and uh, i sound i realize i sound preachy but like it as someone that struggled with this that really i like i said i didn't really have a stigma about therapy but i didn't really understand that part of it until i really went through the process and really like paid attention to what was really going on and it's it's that it's just retraining your brain to think differently about reacting to things or dealing with things. Um, I, you said the word react. Um, I can't remember where I heard this, but somebody was talking about the difference between reacting and responding. Mm. I, when I am really triggered or, you know, really in a highly emotional state, I react. I don't respond Same. because it becomes very emotional. Yep. And then it's like, oh my God, the 828 years of therapy have all gone out the window because mm. the emotions that had taken over. Whereas if I could just take a breath and respond, yep. you know, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And, and honestly, that's probably where I get the most amount of help from cannabis is slowing my brain down. In fact, I thought about, oh, should I, should I take a little bit before coming on this podcast or not? <laughs> but I get super long winded and I like can go really off topic if I, if I am using. That's so all right. I didn't. But, oh, um, damn it. But it really does slow my thought process out and it lets my, it lets my words come out in a more measured way and kind of what I mean to say comes across clear usually when I'm, when I'm using. So yeah. that's interesting. But, Man, uh, thank goodness the pharmaceutical companies, um, <laughs> Um, another thing that so would you say sorry going back to the support system would you say you have a pretty good strong support system at this time in your life absolutely yeah Yeah. between friends and family members absolutely I I feel like I can talk to anybody about anything I need to so yeah and I I think it's you you brought up the point that that's not always the case for everybody and um, I'm lucky enough that I have an extremely supportive family uh, they don't like how much I curse on the podcast, and I really don't think they're going to like this week's sponsor. But uh, I have a, a, a supremely supportive um, family, and I have the best friends imaginable. Yes. And 
without either of those things, I, I would have been lost, way more lost than I am now. Sure. You know? Absolutely. Um, uh, the same for me. Yeah. Uh, I I don't want to think about what what where I would be without that. Yeah, sure. When you moved away, was that hard to be away from? I know you probably, not probably, I know you had new friends where you moved, but was it hard to be away from the core or was that, because I know you've spent a lot of time away from your, like your, um, you know, uh, nuclear family or sure. whatever you want to call it. So is that, is that a struggle for you or with technology, you're still able to talk to them and stuff? It's funny. Cause it's, um, I'd say, I'd say I would de- departmentalize that into two categories. Yes, it is. And no, it isn't. Um, I do really well with, I have friends that I don't talk to for years and years, and then we get together eventually. And it's like that time never spans. So, um, you and I have done yeah, that several very, times, right? You, very you know me very yeah. well. I don't. We don't talk to each other usually between you know when you've lived other places. I don't. I don't think there's anything bad about that necessarily. You, we pick up right where we left off, right. and if anything big happens, we we contact each other. But uh, I guess I don't get hung up on it too much. So I'm kind of the same. My mom is not that same way though. She does not deal with it well with me being gone, and I understand that too. Yeah. But because um, your brother still lives. And close I know by, you just yeah. moved back to the area, but your yeah. your brother is still close by. Yep. yep. Um, again, I I don't mean to to beat it into the ground, but even just last night, I went to a a, a live event um, with my mom, my stepdad, my sister, my brother in law, my nephew, and it was a fun live event. But I I just had to stop myself and think to myself how lucky I was to be sitting amongst them, and. You know, the fact that my mom thought, oh, Kevin is really into this. And I think that everybody else will be into this. Let's all go together. Yeah. Um, it's it's easy to take that for granted. And I try not to. I'm a very lucky person. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So, well, you know, as you know, as people advance in age, not to talk about misery and stuff like that, um, it definitely comes into your mind. You know, when I when I lived in North Carolina for the last year, I that was a thought often. It's like, man, I should be spending time with my parents. Man, I should be spending time with my dog. And not having that was weird. It was mm-hmm. it, it makes you think about it all the time. Yeah. So it's tough. It's yeah. it really is hard. So yes and no. Like I, I do value my alone time and I flourish in ways with that, but but also it is important to me and I and I understand, you know, that that is a thing. Yeah, for sure. Do you feel like um have you always been somebody who's pretty aware of what's going on or did not to use the light switch metaphor again, but did, mm. or did that change for you later in life? Were you kind of, I don't want to say the word aloof, but uh, <laughs> did you maybe not pay attention to a lot of the outside world in a way that you maybe do now? Absolutely. I, I think growing up in the tiny little town that we did, it mm-hmm. was, it was really easy to get stuck in that mindset. And I think, I think we're lucky in when we grew up. Um, we were in a time where, you know, if you didn't like Michael Jordan, you were a weirdo. Damn right. If you didn't like, if you didn't have the poster of a black dude on your wall as a young white male in a small town, that was weird at that time. Yep. Which up until that point, that wasn't the thing, right? Yeah. So we had a weird situation where the, you know, the the world around us was like getting more and more like accepting of all cultures. So we had kind of a weird thing going on. I think it still exists in some towns, but um, it wasn't too shocking to like go into the world out of that small town because of, you know, what kind of expanded around us and TV and and all the culture that was being shown to us. Um, But yeah, I think, I think when I was young, I really struggled to understand why I had such a hard time fitting in. And I didn't understand that until much later in life when I realized it's like, oh, okay, I was, they thought I was the weird one, but I think they're the weird one. You know, I like, <laughs> liking, uh, uh, let me think, like, say you like baseball. Well, I, Damn growing right. up, I liked monster trucks and car shows and like mm-hmm. that kind of counterculture or the underneath stuff. And yeah. uh, so I was the weird one, but. I thought they were the weird ones, you know, but I didn't understand that growing up. I didn't understand that dynamic at all. So I think that's a cool thing that's happening in current times is everyone's kind of free to dig their own stuff and really find their little niche thing. And that's, yeah, that's, that's it's much more open, right? It is, it is more accepting too. Like I was the weird one in high school for liking Led Zeppelin of all things, right? It was so really? bizarre. Because yeah. I liked Led Zeppelin in high school. I got weird 
vibes from people like th- that I was into that stuff instead of whatever. was it like a weird like devil thing or no just like like why aren't you listening to the, what's popular right now and I and I've always kind of picked up on that a little bit but mm-hmm. definitely back then it seemed really odd what what were you bullied yeah yeah all how so all throughout middle school and high school you know I'm a heavier guy um that's that's the bane of it but also like. I just did weird stuff. Like I, instead of playing football, I played hockey instead of. That's right. You were a hockey player. Yeah, huge. And it was big. Yeah. Like I remember getting ridiculed in art class of all things. Cause all I would draw is like for the was weekly. Was it Mario Lemieux or something? Was like, yeah, hockey shit every <laughs> yeah. week. Yeah. It was either hockey shit or guitar shit. And I'd come over to your house and I'd be like, what's with all the hockey posters? <laughs> right. Um, and where's Chris Chelios? <laughs> yeah. He's like a commentator now, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. he. I think he made it in the Hall of Fame. I don't know much about hockey. I wish I did, but uh, like, I never give it the time of day. I think you and I were both huge into sports, and you were silly if you weren't into sports as a kid in our environment. But uh, I have dropped all sport. Like hockey is the only thing that has remained through all. So you like, still follow my, hockey? I do. I do still follow my team. Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, which is like they're is kind Sidney of like, Crosby still around. Yeah, yeah, they kind of, they're kind of a hated team because of him. It's a really weird dynamic. But. Is he um, is he still like really good? He's still very good, but like slowing down. He's he's yeah. older, like 36, 37. Or That's right. And like he that. started when he was like eighteen yeah. or something crazy. Yeah, yeah, like he's that. been in the he's been in the NHL for a long time. Yeah. So. Uh, this has been on the ice <laughs> with Nathan and Kevin. <laughs> I'm still very obsessed with baseball. Sure. Probably more so than I ever have And that's have been. probably the sport I've fallen most out of favor with. And I used to really enjoy it. I don't know what has happened. I think if I had to try and put my finger on it, the steroid part, I think that probably turned a lot of people off. Um, so This yeah. is not a joke. Have you ever, you probably did as a kid, have you kept score of a baseball game lately? No. Based on what we're talking about today and the details and all of that, I think you might enjoy it. It might be worth a try. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't name you a current NBA player, a current baseball player. I couldn't uh, football. Like, I don't know who, like Tom Brady. Apart apart from that, I couldn't name you an NFL player, I don't think. I don't really care for the, uh, for football, yeah. but I, I realize in America, I'm in, I'm in the minority. Um, but uh, there's one American pastime and it's baseball and it's beautiful and <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I do hate the Packers. I will say that. <laughs> Uh, do you think that becoming more aware, did that make things more difficult or did it lead you to have to process more things? No, I think, I think it made things easier for me, actually. I think if I had had that awareness in high school and I wish, you know, that's like the one thing, if I could like turn back time or whatever. If I could turn (laughs) back time. I would wish for that. If I could. Oh, sorry. (laughs) I would, I wish I had awareness, like realizing, you know, like. None of these people are going to have any impact on your life ever again after you're out of high school. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, who cares if they don't like you? All that kind of stuff. Was it really painful? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got I got picked on daily, like multiple times a day from just anyone that decided, oh, this guy's this guy's a weak person, so I'm just going to make fun of him. So, unfortunately, like the impact that that also had on me and my relationship with my brother, um, it kind of it kind of fell on him too. Like uh, I would see my friends, older brothers pick on their younger brothers. And I had that like reference and I'm like, Oh, well that's what people do. Uh And it wasn't until we got, I was thinking about that. Uh, I think when my brother and I started playing music together, I started playing guitar thanks to Ryan Aheron. Uh, I'm sure he'll probably be listening. That maybe, maybe. Hell uh, yeah! Great, uh, great man. Love, I love that dude. Um, he got an electric guitar right around the time like Smashing Pumpkins, Melancholy came out, and it was like perfect timing. Him and I went to this guitar store and bought a distortion pedal. And so, people that don't know what a distortion pedal it makes the it makes the ACDC sound in your electric guitar essentially, right? And uh, that really was a life-changing thing for me. I, I realized immediately I had to copy him and do exactly that and force my brother to be the bass player. <laughs> so, is that why he started playing bass? It is. Okay. <laughs> we had a drummer lined up, and we're like, we need a bass player. Get, get on that. And, uh, I think it, I kind of remember that. It was that cool now. timing. So Yeah, Ryan's wife was on. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, uh, Ryan is just one of the most, just one of the nicest, one of the best people there is. Yes. Um, I didn't. I guess I never realized his influence on your right uh, music yeah. and, and guitar and such. Yep. Yep. 
Um, oh man, his birthday party when Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, he got that for his birthday. And boy, did we listen to Bullet with Butterfly Wings <laughs> on repeat sure. for like eight hours. Sure. Um, I always say, as far as awareness goes, uh, because of the years of therapy I've done and how solipsistic I am, um, I like to say that I'm Alexander the Great of half the battle. <laughs> you know, people say knowing's half the battle. Often I'm like, yeah, I know this, but I can't fix it. I understand that's a problem, but then I'm like, I don't know how to fix it. Yep. Uh, so I'm just going to become anxious about it, et sure. cetera. Sure. And therapy is, that is an answer. That is kind of a light switch in therapy is giving you ways of thinking about that differently or, or improving that in the future. I think that's a good example of that for sure. Yeah. And so you said over the past year, there's been a lot of moving. Sounds like a lot of upheaval change. Yeah. Um, and for somebody who has so many hobbies and um, those hobbies sounds like, and I know uh, you accumulate things. Sure. At this point, most of your stuff is in storage. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. So tell me what kind of effect that has on you. That's hard. Um, for me, uh, kind of a soothing thing for me to do is be creative and removing that. I, you know, going from I had a big house with a huge shop and a big garage full of tools that I could use to make anything, literally anything I wanted at any given time to nothing is, is really difficult for my brain to deal with. Like I have ideas still that I want to get out and do stuff, but I, I don't have room to work on that or weld it or, you know, do all these things that are require a huge amount of space to do. I know it's only been a short time, but how are you, is there a, how are you dealing with the, that lack of outlet? Um, by focusing on other hobbies more. So like right now I'm really focusing on the board games and, and really giving that more of a, a focus and then reading as well doing a lot more reading and a lot of job searching too, which takes a lot of time. So uh, that's huge. That's the most and fun a, thing you said. A lot of fucking wasting time too. <laughs> the, 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 the nobody wants to work crowd sure doesn't want to fucking pay anybody. I'll say that. That's mm. a, it's a weird time in looking for a job. I'll say that. And then all the, all the anxiety of like wanting to buy another house or wanting to even just rent at a fucking apartment. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's not affordable. None of it is. It's crazy. It's uh. Well, you said earlier, way earlier in the episode about, I should do this, I should this. Um, Bren had po pointed out when we added a, um, a guest on who said, I was shooting all over the place. Mm. I do that all the time. Sure, sure. And it's, it, it, sometimes I try to stop myself and say, you should by whose rules. Right, right. I catch myself with that a lot too. Um, it's very easy to go down that. And yeah. I think we all do it probably more than we realize mm -hmm. And even now, as, as, you know, Brent has kind of taken me under his wing and um, has helped build this podcast into what it is, I still feel like I should be X, Y, or Z, but I'm able to say, no, I should be doing what I'm doing right now, and I'm going to continue for now. Yeah. And that's yeah. almost a new thought for me. Mm. Have you ever gotten to that point where um, you you... Have you ever had something where you're like, you finally said, no brain. And yeah, it's well, not like my Frank's not shutting up. Right. Right. Frank, Frank, uh, Frank's like a virus. Okay. He understands what I've figured out. And then he goes and gets <laughs> under that and yep. fucks with that. Sure, sure. Right. Uh, yeah, definitely. And that's something I think that came with the therapy is retraining the thinking of like, uh, celebrating the small successes. I, th I think I would define that with. Uh, so you only applied for three jobs this week. Okay, you applied for three jobs. That means you found three jobs that are interesting enough for you to send out applications. You think you could actually do that job, whatever it is. Whether the pay is not quite enough or whatever the worry is, is removed, you applied for those jobs. You probably won't hear anything back from any of them, but you know it, it's a thing and you just have to force yourself into making a bigger deal about the small successes and, and getting past barriers. Um, I think that's a huge part of it and realizing that you're doing that is big. And that's hard. It's really hard. Look around at everything. I mean, advertising is like, what did Dylan say? Advertising conning you into thinking that you're the one, you know, 
it it it's like here hey look at this world right. everything is fine dude and we were we were raised in the worst fucking possible advertising we are the targets of the most like angry advertising campaign of all we grew up in the 80s where a new toy came out every oh, other day yeah uh, it was crazy like and we were just soaking up these cartoons that were just ad you know, they were just like, ads for the toys insane, man yeah so growing up in that, I don't want to use that as an excuse, but that is part of the reason why I collect shit and why I'm into that stuff too. So. Did you ever feel like with when you were a kid though, then like, oh, Kevin down the street has this toy, but I don't, I feel less than? Sure. Are you saying sure. that, that type it of thing? It happened. It happened. It's not a big deal and you can deal with it, right? Sure. It's, it's, it's fleeting. But when you're like six, you're like, oh God, it's right, all over. Right. Me and, me and a best friend back then. He had an older brother, so he had, like, way cooler toys. Like, he had his brother's stuff and his stuff, and it was like, whoa, okay, you got the advanced stuff. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Oh, I had a quick and question. I had tons of toys like that. Don't yeah. put that. I had everything I ever wanted, and I still had that feeling, which is, that, that speaks That's, to the, how crazy that time was with, with pushing stuff towards Yeah, things. advertising, bad. Crazy, crazy. Unless, of course, you want to sponsor Sad Times. <laughs> Uh, then you can email sadtimeskc at gmail.com. Um, so, we're, quick question. So, you have one sibling? I do. Uh, is he a doctor? He's not a doctor. Oh, my sibling isn't either. Oh. Okay, just wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> cool. Um, well, you know, as we're wrapping up here, Nathan, um, thanks for coming on. Oh, wait. One other thing I want to talk about with you, and that's laughter. Mm. Uh, the, one of the most cliched sayings, but it's true. His laughter is the best medicine. You got to find a way. You got to find a release for that. You got to find something that like just makes you laugh your ass off. Whether it's Netflix show, YouTube series you like, reading a book, whatever it is, you got to use it and you got to find it. It's it's the best medicine for me. When you were a kid, what what did you find? Like what was something that you thought was really funny? Three Stooges. Mr. Oh, yeah? Bean. Like, you were a big Three Stooges so guy? So my dad was a huge Three Stooges guy, and we would watch that, and it would just make me roll on the floor laugh. I still love watching it. I, I still like to, like, kind of give some time in between, right? Because it's, mm -hmm. it's a little it's a little old after a while. But, yeah, man, like, the curly stuff always always tickles my funny bone. It's, it's always good stuff. So Mr. Bean, too. And back to Ryan. Ryan and I would always watch Mr. Bean together, and that was a huge, that was a huge thing for us. It was Nothing against Mr. Bean. I just never got into it. Uh -huh. I just never really watched it. Uh, yeah. I'm sure I would have uh, have um, would have liked it. Uh, what about Monty Python? Did sure. you like that growing sure, up? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, that was a big one for me. Like the the silly walk is probably my highlight thing. Do you I remember when like, Ryan and I did that oh, at yeah. stage show? Love yeah. Um, Ryan could do the silly walk quite well. <laughs> he was, he was very very. Now now as an adult, what are the things that you kind of turn to you uh, find the probably the thing that gets me the most is uh tim robinson's show i think you should leave that's pretty gold stuff i it's mean so funny it's so off the wall like that's that's my brand of comedy is just like absurdity like yeah. and and awkwardness and like cringy like mm -hmm. those things combined makes for a really fun time man for me, i yeah. think you should leave is I hurt myself. I'm laughing right? pretty hard. At the that latest show. season, especially like Which I, I haven't watched yet on the ground, like not being able to breathe laughing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was great. So, yeah, uh, I would be remiss, which is the second time I've said that I would be remiss if I didn't say I would be remiss. Uh, if I did not mention Zucker, Abram Zucker for me, uh, air, airplane, top sure. secret, naked gun, Kentucky fried movie, which I don't, don't look at me like that, Brent. Um, it's funny. Cause I, I don't, I didn't take airplane as seriously as you did until we worked at the video store and you like kind of put it into my like perspective of like, no dude, that's like, that's the good shit. Like you need to rewatch that. Cause like, I watched it like probably on TV when I was a kid and it mm. just doesn't have the same effect at that. Oh point. God, that movie is, yeah, I love it. And I, I used to watch it with my grandpa or at least once. And my oh. grandpa was an airline pilot. So he was laughing at all the, the weird absurd shit. Like when they're like the, when the guy's like, when he, um, lifts the lid on the cockpit like sure. he's doing like it's a car yeah, yeah. um anyway laughter i'm with you on that one um that's why i said you know what would help my laughter a podcast called sad times <laughs> uh before we as as we're wrapping up excuse me nathan is there anything else that you want to say that you were not able to say or share that maybe we didn't get to not necessarily i just man if you're struggling just reach out that's that's it i mean just do it like whether it's a person, whether it's 
therapy, find a way. Like you got to talk to somebody. Couldn't have said it better myself. I agree with that uh, very much. Nathan, thank you so much for coming on, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. Same. same. Um, and um, I'll end the show the same way I do uh, every week or try to, uh, which is a reminder that there is always room for kindness and grace, uh, even with yourself. Uh, as Nathan and I were just discussing, uh, Frank, and, and uh, if Nathan ever gets to a desperate point like me and names the voice in his head, um, it Mine's can be drop dead Fred. Drop dead Fred. All right. <laughs> All right. There we go. Drop dead Fred or Frank or whoever your drop dead Fred or Frank is. It's okay to be a little kinder to yourself and give yourself an even break and say, you know what? I did apply for three jobs this week and that is a good thing. Um, so there's always room for kindness and grace and we will see you next time on sad times. You've been listening to a fourth-hand joint.